Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. Welcome to an episode of Radio Motherboard. Uh, I am Jason Kebler, the editor-in-chief of Motherboard. Uh, we've got Emmanuel Myberg. Hi. Louise Matsakis. Hey. And Sarah Emerson. Hello. And we're all in studio. It's very exciting for, for once. Um, we are going to talk this week about some very heavy topics. Um, Nazis, the alt-right, online censorship, things of this nature. Um, these topics have been swirling a lot the last few weeks. Uh, first, because of a story that... Louise, uh, me, and Sarah have been following, which is the Google Memo. Um, if you're not familiar with the Google Memo, what is the Google Memo, Louise? Um, it was a 10-page internal document written by a senior software engineer named James Daymore that uh, basically postulated that maybe one of the reasons that there's gender disparity in software engineering is because of underlying biological reasons in women. Um, it also said that there is uh, bias against conservatives within Google. Um, we broke that story and the memo was leaked. And a couple days later, James Damore was fired. How many times have you said that? Because you've been going on the radio like five times in the last two weeks since this has happened. Uh, yeah, about at least five times into a mic like this. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so we broke that story uh, 2 a.m. Saturday night. Um, by Saturday afternoon, like eight hours later, there were thousands of people reading it. Everyone was talking about it. And it's since blown up uh, to become sort of this culture war. Um, you have uh, sort of the alt-right, the Milo contingent, defending James Damore and saying that he's sort of the only guy willing to stand up for conservative values within Google. Uh, we have planned marches against Google in Mountain View. Sarah, you've been following that, right? Uh, yes. So basically, there are a lot of people within Google who still support James, but feel like they can't speak out um, because they're afraid that they're also going to lose their jobs. Um, so this has created sort of like an interesting dynamic. It where um, you have some people who are really in support of what James said and what he claims to stand for, and other people who feel like they were the targets of his ideology and memo. Yeah, so that's been going on. Uh, James has been making the rounds on the various alt-right YouTube channels and podcasts. Um, we've tried to talk to him many times. He won't respond to any of Sarah's emails. Um, <laughs> he's gone on... Stephen Moyno, is that how you say his name? I think it's Molyneux. Molyneux. Uh, who else does he talk to? Uh, um, Jordan Peterson, who is a professor in Canada who's very controversial and is uh, very against uh, cultural Marxists, is his uh, main thing. Tucker Carlson on Fox News he spoke to. Yeah, he did a Reddit AMA 
Um, we have, you know, basically the take cycle has worn itself out by this point, so we won't dwell on James Damore. That's probably not the main topic of this podcast, but I think it's all sort of related in that uh, we have this sort of uh, people on the right would say that there is a war on the idea of free speech. Um, James himself said that he was fired for uh, basically his ideology and for speaking out, um, to which I would say... You know, if you start circulating a 10-page memo about anything at any company uh, when you weren't necessarily asked, I don't know if James was asked or not, but from all, no one has said that he was asked publicly uh, to write a pseudoscientific memo and send it to hundreds of your colleagues and cause, you know, many of them to feel personally attacked. I think that becomes an HR issue, not a free speech issue. But you have the people on the right who say that this is a free speech issue. You have people saying it's a First Amendment issue, which, you know, we can talk about. Um, Then you have this March to Defend Confederate statues in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, You have a planned free speech rally, quote unquote, uh, in Boston coming up next week, I believe, Uh, this sort of march against Google and Mountain View. And now you have a bunch of people online coming, a bunch of people being companies uh, trying to get Nazis off of their websites and their services. So um, I wasn't following this terribly closely, but I believe we had Cloudflare. Um, Yeah, I was following the story really closely all week. Uh, I think at this point, there's at least like a dozen companies, some of the big ones. And I think the ones worth particularly talking about are the social media platforms, which include Reddit, Twitter, Facebook, um, Google, Airbnb, Squarespace, okay, OkCupid. Cupid. Um, I believe Tinder even- sent me an email last night too. <clears throat> Tinder, Mailchimp. Um, yeah, I saw that Mailchimp tw- uh, tweet this morning about how like they were you know banning some of these newsletters. Um, yeah, I think the kind of the major, the most interesting example is probably Cloudflare because they have defended the you know. They have both GoDaddy and Cloudflare have both extensively defended maintaining and supporting this neo-Nazi website called the Daily Stormer, and both of them retracted that um, offer this week. GoDaddy said because they had incited violence, and which violates their terms of service. Whereas Cloudflare, I think, is the more interesting example because the CEO uh, circulated an email, Matthew Prince, and he said, "Yeah, I can just do this because I want to, which is kind of scary, but I'm going to do it anyway because the people who run the Daily Stormer are assholes." He specifically said, "I think somebody can pull up the quote, but I woke up in a bad mood today." And I kick somebody off the internet, and nobody should have this power. Yeah, no one should have this power. I think is the seminal quote there, and I think it you know brings up an interesting point about the power that these tech monopolies can wield. Should we say what Cloudflare does? We already yeah. So Cloudflare is a company that provides uh, DDoS protection to various websites. So and um, uh, speed optimization. It's the reason that like a website loads quickly. Right. Yeah, and, and because everybody. Not everybody, but because a lot of people hate the Daily Stormer, they need something like this because other people would constantly try to DDoS it. Take them offline, yeah. Yeah, and so a DDoS is when, you know, a botnet or some a concerted effort to basically take down a site by hitting it with a ton of traffic at once so its servers can't handle it. So Cloudflare uh, prevents that from happening by basically, you know, 
limiting how many people can access the site at once. So you have to wait like five seconds before you can access the site. So earlier this week, Cloudflare got rid of that protection for the Daily Stormer, and it suddenly got attacked, a DDoS attack, like two seconds later, and it was taken down. Well, right. I mean, it was also, it it tried to move to a Russian domain host. It tried to move, it, you know, it's still maintaining a presence on the dark web. And I think now the Daily Stormer is basically posting screenshots of articles on Gab, which is a Twitter-like social network that... um, its core value is that it preserves free speech. Yeah, it's one of these like alt right. Um, I think it's fair to say that Gab is an alt right. It's, it's, they would object. I think that. they would object. I think that it has become a favorite of the alt right, along with Vote, which is a Reddit alternative. Along with there's a Patreon alternative. There's a Kickstarter alternative. I forget the names of all of them, but well, there's basically like an alternative website that they present themselves as free speech uh, advocates, which is sort but... of a dog whistle for. I mean, Some well, of these views, the, the possibly. The facts are that the, the founder is a, a Trump supporter, and whenever we have been in touch with them, they have, like, uh, unsolicited offered um, kind of right-wing or right uh, far-right-leaning opinions. Um, well, a, a good, like, response to them not wanting to be characterized that way is that from their official Twitter account, they, you know, posted a screenshot of the uh, the definition of the alt-left, and it was, like, this, like, you know, like, br- you know, like negative description and they posted a couple of screenshots in the last 24 hours that contain like the word libtard like I think it's pretty obvious that they're not necessarily doing a good job of maintaining a neutral perspective whether or not that's the messaging that they want to provide yeah and this is something I wanted to talk about with James Damore I don't want to dwell on this but you know James has presented his uh, views as being very scientific as being you know neutral this is just on average how women are this is you know sort of Uh, It's very detached point of view is what he's trying to take. And then, you know, he gets fired. He's immediately wearing a gulag shirt, which is something created by the alt-right. He's going on all these alt-right, you know, uh, YouTubes and podcasts. He is sort of he's aligning himself with people who have made themselves a part of this movement. And so, you know, he's done nothing to suggest that, you know, the original document was anything other than like a very thinly veiled, misogynistic, sexist, racist manifesto, which is, you know, what a lot of people have taken issue with. They say, you know, this is science, but you talk to the scientists who actually did it. And it's like that he's either misapplying the science, he's doing it in such a way that assumes i mean he's assuming that a desired characteristic among you know programmer is you know not having people skills for instance when you know google has every right to decide what it wants its programmers to be and if they want you know people with skills beyond extremely hard coding skills i think that's totally fine for a company to have anyways digression over um <laughs> yeah so we do have a lot of these uh, companies basically the alt right and the further right outright nazis are looking for a home online and where they will ultimately land we're not quite sure um there was a replacement version of the daily stormer on the dark web that was immediately attacked as well um and as of this recording i'm not really sure where where they're uh, congregating i know that um centipede central which is reddit's r slash the donald offshoot on discord uh was more they they, they, they reject that they reject that as well yeah they, they used to be but then they severed 
uh, severed ties, ties with. I yeah, think now that, they have a new one. So it was, I mean, it was formed out of, out of the Donald and, you know, that is its genesis and it is a very, it's a pro Donald Trump discord channel. So maybe, you know, it doesn't have ties to Reddit any longer, but they are still as of this recording on discord, but alt-right what was it alt-right.com was taken off by squarespace yeah that's correct I, I think that what i'm from what i'm understanding in the chattering i've seen online it seems like gab is emerging as the place where the daily stormer is hanging out right now until they can figure out their um domain problems it's worth saying that in the last couple of days uh you know as uh our one of our canadian staff writers jordan wrote uh the founder of the Daily Stormer is still, you know, raising money via Bitcoin. He's raised like several thousand dollars, which is definitely, you know, enough to buy another domain somewhere. Um, so I don't think that they're going anywhere, but it seems like Gab is the place that they're congregating, um, from what I've seen, and definitely Discord. Um, yeah, that's what I that's what I would say that they're going right now. Yeah. So I was gonna say is that Discord, the big like alt right Discords, may have gotten banned, but there's still many like private messages and private groups that are not, you know. That they can still talk on. And uh, I spoke to one of the admins of the Centipede Central Discord, and, you know, he seemed to suggest that people, if they got banned, they would just re-congregate somewhere else on Discord. Um, so, so yeah, anyways, this all raises the question of, like, what should companies be allowed to do? Um, you know, obviously, there are no, there are very few regulations in terms of, you know, whether a company has to provide service to neo-Nazis or not. Um, right now they do not. And so a lot of companies have taken this opportunity to, you know, kick the most obvious, uh, Charles, Charlottesville, sorry, Charlottesville, um, sort of organizers off of their platforms and the daily stormer seems to be, have been like the main thrust of this. What happened to Stormfront, by the way? Like a storm. I don't know. I feel like it's just not as big. Also, by looking at um, like their Bitcoin donations, which is something we went through uh, this week, uh, they have never raised as much money. Uh, I think it's just not as popular. Another thing worth saying is that it's not just kicking these people off of um, online platforms. It's worth saying that another thing that happened this week was a no- number of Charlottesville attendees lost their physical jobs and it's not only that these companies don't have any obligation to let these people say whatever they want but there's no federal protections for these people to keep their jobs either if they you know if i know one guy was fired from a hot dog (laughs) yeah they put up a sign yeah i think that you know there's no federal protection in place for being fired based on you know what political ideologies you have though there are some state regulations but um yeah i think it's interesting to think about what these companies should or should not have to do yeah so there's a lot to unpack here there's like the ethics of doxing nazis there's the ethics of kicking nazis off your platform there's the ethics of like what are their free speech rights and when do they start to infringe on other people's free speech rights and so i think um i feel like we should add one last piece to this which happened yesterday and that is that the Electronic Frontier Foundation, which is an organization that we uh, talk to a lot because they care about, uh, I guess I don't know their mission statement, but like an open and uh, They're just a digital civil liberties organization. The ACLU of the internet, I think, is a fair characterization. Yeah, and um, uh, does anybody have their statement uh, in front of them? Uh, I do, yeah. I mean, the gist of it is that they are worried. They are, they are worried about the response from uh, from Google and from Cloudflare 
um, citing uh, what the CEO of that company said specifically about being in a bad mood. And, and Should we you know. read a little bit from it? Yeah, please. Yeah, read um, so they said, we strongly believe that what GoDaddy, Google, and Cloudflare did here was dangerous. That's because even when the facts are the most vile, we must remain vigilant when platforms exercise these rights because internet intermediaries, especially those with few competitors, control so much online speech. The consequences of their decisions have far-reaching impacts on speech around the world. And at the EFF, we see the consequences firsthand. Every time a company throws a vile neo-Nazi off the net, thousands of less visible decisions are made by companies with little oversight or transparency. Should anyone have that power, right? There's a handful of companies that have huge say in who gets to be online and who doesn't. Um, And I think we probably all agree that we don't want a ton of Nazis online. But as the EFF says, in the future, that can be somebody else. Yeah, discuss. (laughs) I think, first off, I'll say no one is going to kick the Daily Stormer offline. Uh, You know, they will live somewhere somehow, whether it is, you know, sort of uh, dark on the dark web. If it's, you know, what's his name? Andrew. Anglin. Andrew Anglin will host it, you know, from a server in his room. They can have distributed, you know, distributed uh, hosting power. Like there are no companies that control entirely the ability of anyone to be on the Internet. So. They will exist online in some fashion. I mean, I think that, you know, one thing that Andrew England said is that he feels like ICANN, which is, you know, the the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers, which is like what lets people have domains or not. And like the, you know, the organization that works with these domain registrars and stuff, he says he's been effectively banned by them. So he he might exist somewhere online, but there is something to be said for the fact that like he has been unable to get a domain I don't know if that matters in 2017 where so much discussion happens on platforms that are rather than like, you know, direct links. But there is something to be said for he hasn't been able to get a domain even when he tried to, you know, get it abroad in Russia. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you can make it much, much harder for these groups to congregate, which I believe is a good idea when it comes to things like this. Uh, You know, when it comes to like Nazi groups, I don't think we should make it easy for them to congregate the same way that we don't make it easy to find child porn. Like there's tons of child porn online. If you know where to go, I have no idea where to go. But we don't make it easy for ISIS to congregate. You know, like there's been a huge effort by these companies in the last, you know, six years or so to really police what kinds of, you know, content from hate groups like ISIS gets you know, stays online. Right. And now we're kind of seeing those same efforts being turned to white supremacy for the first time. Right. And I've seen a lot of tweets from people being like, okay, do we really want these groups to go underground? And, you know, maybe they'll be more radical or organized where, you know, people can't see them, uh, where like law enforcement can't see them, for instance. And I don't know, to that I say, kind of absolutely yes because the internet has made it so easy for groups that were previously ostracized and very uh separated and uh sort of been able to they've been able to congregate in much larger numbers on places like reddit and discord and slack probably uh, who knows uh you <laughs> well, know daily like- well daily summer like you know if you live in the middle of nowhere like midwest or something and there's 15 people in your town i like and you're the one Nazi there, like you're not going to voice those opinions. But 
if you can hop online and there's 500 other Nazis that you can find online, you're like you're much more likely to voice your opinions and then think that that's a more mainstream opinion than it actually is. I feel like it would be fairly easy to make the argument <clears throat> that um, what happened in Charlottesville, the guy who uh, carried out this like horrific attack, he wasn't from Charlottesville. He was from Ohio or something. Nevada, I believe. Or I don't know. Far away. Yeah. And like Richard Spencer, who is an organizer in Baked Alaska, who is an organizer. None of them are from Charlottesville. You probably can't get enough Nazis in Charlottesville to pull this off. But... Right, and this was the largest, like, neo-Nazi rally in decades, is it not? I mean, like, obviously the Klan has its rallies every now and then, but, you know, who knows how many people show up to it, like 15 or something. You can get 15 people from your neighboring communities to come be racist with you, but... People, this is people from all over the country. Right, there are people people from from Berkeley, there are people from Nevada, there are people... Yeah, there's Canada. Vice piece about this, a Vice News piece about this, there's a guy from Canada, and, I mean, also the effect of... I mean, there's a, a website, you type in the URL, it's like a simple URL, and that's a place where people openly discuss these ideas and, you know, normalizing these ideas about but, white supremacy. And But there is something to be said for, like, you know, Motherboard has spent time on Discord with these people. You know, the New York Times did an investigation where they were hanging out on Discord with these people. And, you know, BuzzFeed has done, like, extensive coverage, you know, like, embedding themselves within these groups. And I do work. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today about a situation in which like that dialogue stops happening because these people become so difficult to find. And I also think, you know, one of the problems with policing this content that it's difficult, unlike policing ISIS content, it's like, okay, that's a beheading video. Very clearly, we're going to ban that. Whereas a lot of these people, it's so like steeped in irony that I don't know where the line between free speech and this is inciting violence. And this is, you know, yeah, it's a clear when it's like, okay, you have you know, a white supremacist symbol here, like, we're definitely going to ban you. But there are a lot of people like Baked Alaska, where, you know, he, you know, said a bunch of really racist things. and was like, oh, but I'm not a racist. Like, it's a joke. Like, and I don't, it's going to be more difficult, I think, for these companies to keep up policing that content. The Daily Stormer is a really, like, easy example. Like, they, you know, bill themselves as a neo-Nazi website. Whereas I think a lot of this speech really falls in these weird places. And I don't know what these companies are going to do long term and where that line is really going to be. The thrust of the EFF's argument is like the slippery slope argument, which has been made time and time and time and time again. It's like the most common argument ever made. It's like if this happens, then this will happen, then this will happen. And suddenly, you know, activists in like Cairo will not be able to have the Arab Spring because, uh, you know, Google didn't let them or something. Uh, I personally, you know, I, I think that the Internet People are going to find ways to congregate in any case. I don't think that any company needs to allow this sort of thing. And I think often over-policing is probably better than under-policing in terms of uh, when it comes to hateful content. Uh, Do you guys think the slippery slope argument holds any water at all? I don't. I hate hate the slippery slope argument uh, almost in all cases. I hate it when it's about gun control and I hate it when it's like about this. 
Um, it's pretty pretty clear cut to me. Why though? Because we always are drawing lines. Anyway, we are drawing lines that, like the current situation as is, like the EFF isn't making this argument for child porn and and, and child porn websites being booted off the internet. Um, and I don't have a problem putting uh, Nazis on the same list. Yeah. Right. Well, I think the distinction there from like, you know, Facebook's point of view or like in the past has been that like child porn is a crime, whereas like deciding that you have a Nazi ideology is not. I would argue that it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, I mean, the ideology. I mean, I don't blame you for <laughs> yeah. ideology. The ideology itself is, is violence, right? It's like a, you can't carry it out without violence. It's like in the same way that I can't publicly say, hey, this is where Jason lives and people should go kill him. Like, right. You're not allowed to say that. And in the same way, if, like, if, if you're a Nazi, then basically you're saying, like, this group of people needs to die or it needs to right. be, like, otherwise removed from our society. And there's no way to do that without violence. So right. It's, yeah. I, I guess, like, I just hate that this is what had to happen for and like this is just such a dumb example for people to start caring about the kind of power that these tech companies wield because I think that a lot of tech journalists have been saying for years that these platforms are becoming more and more centralized and they're wielding more and more power and I do people care though like just to stop you because who cares like the EFF has always cared about this like the EFF has always brought this up I don't think other people are well these all right people who are getting banned now a lot of them care yeah and they're all going to places like Gab because they're all really like upset about it and I think people who are upset that James Damore got fired and I think like there are a lot of people who are like yeah these people are monopolies these companies are monopolies and like but that's why vote exists that's why like Gab exists in the first place like it exists because they say you know Twitter and right but Gab is banned from both the iOS app store and from the google from the android store so like it's like these companies are making steps to make those alternative platforms more difficult to access and you they're they're saying that that they're doing that because these platforms have hate speech on them which is you know and that's a valid right well there's like levels then because it's like you know gab will allow this but then google won't allow gab which does allow Nazis, you know, because we yeah, live like within it's not up to the level of Google's policing because we live within the because like Gab has to live within the Google ecosystem yeah. to begin with. Right. To yeah. uh, bring it back to Google and James uh, Amore, uh, the f- one of the response because I follow a lot of Nazis and I follow a lot of all right people on Twitter um, and Sounds on, pleasant. And, and on YouTube. <laughs> One of the responses that I saw immediately was, um, this is unacceptable. Google should be regulated like a utility. And I was like, oh. Well, that's what Tucker Carlson said. You know, yeah, he said that. It, yeah, he said that on Fox and News. That, and we were all like, really? Like, like you guys are saying that now? And that's essentially like kind of a half step away from saying, like, we should nationalize Google, which is like, all right. It's like, I'm, I'm, I'm open to this discussion. Like, this is a weird place where my interests over, overlap with, like, the far right's interests. Um, and it's, it's, it's the same response to the Daily Stormer. That's what the, Which is, and it's interesting because I wonder if these people can push Donald Trump, somebody who has completely ignored the issue of antitrust in his administration thus far. He seems preoccupied with a lot of other issues. Um, yeah, will they push him to consider that as part of his agenda? You know, like, will, you know, will we see no. an administration in which <laughs> Donald Trump is, like, you know, worried about this? Uh, no. <laughs> I, I mean, so? no, just because, like, anything that has any nuance whatsoever, he hasn't taken This is a fair point. Whatsoever. This is a fair point. <laughs> um, I think, I mean, I think under a normal conservative 
president, then yes, maybe that's an interesting question. I think it's also an interesting question for a progressive president. Uh, you know, like the Democrats now have put antitrust as one of their main platform discussions. And I think that, yes, there's a very important discussion that be had about how much power Facebook and Google and uh, Amazon and Microsoft and Cloudflare. Apple. Cloudflare. Not Cloudflare. I mean, yes, but like Cloudflare is not that big compared to Google. Like it's small, right, small yeah. potatoes. Compared, but like it has, as the CEO pointed out, it has, even though it's not a big company, the, the power it has to decide who gets to be online is huge kind of i mean i mean 10 percent of web traffic is you know goes through cloudflare like it's definitely yes but like cloudflare removing its protection just leaves sites open to ddos like it doesn't take them offline and so then that's the most democratic thing of all it's like should this fucking site exist and uh you know the people can decide although (laughs) the botnets can decide the botnets can decide like one dude with a botnet can decide yeah it doesn't sound that democratic how do do people how do you guys feel about that like the idea that i I mean i i think and take facebook away from facebook I, i i agree with that i think that i think some regulations in order yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, you know, these companies do have a lot of power. We should remove some of the power from them and put it in, in you know, in the hands of the people, possibly in the hands I mean, of Europe you know, has some been, sort of regulators. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Europe has been much more aggressive in like, you know, deciding to regulate these companies. And like, I wonder what it would look like if we did that in America. Like, for example, a lot of these Nazi accounts that you can access in the U.S., you couldn't access in Germany because it was illegal there. You know, like, it's not as though... But you com- can't play Wolfenstein in <laughs> Germany without them being green aliens, right? Can't. <laughs> <laughs> they have to have control. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think that we do need more regulations. I think then it would come back, you know, to whatever those regulations are. And are those regulations in line with the First Amendment, which is a big question that has been asked by both, you know, these... Nazis who have been silenced, the ACLU, the EFF, uh, a lot of other people. And I think, you know, quite clearly, the First Amendment does have uh, limits, and that limit is violence for the most part. Like, there may be other limits, but I believe violence I mean, is the main the, one. I don't know, Threats to violence. The, the actual reason is like a public relations reason, right? Like, this is why this is happening. It's like the Daily Stormer has been the Daily Stormer forever. And they have done shitty things forever. And, right. Uh, I mean, calling for violence on specific people, right? Like, we have right. lawsuits that are ongoing way before any of this happened. It just literally it took... Someone having to die. Someone having to die. And I am fairly confident that it's all going in the in the direction that we're talking about. And it's just a matter of, like, literally how many people have to die until somebody steps in and takes Facebook away from Facebook. And somebody steps in and takes Google away from Google. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, I think. But then the question becomes like, will the government do an even shittier job than, would, you know, than Mark Zuckerberg is doing? So my position on it is like, I have a say. Right. And who those elected people. Vote. Yeah. I love voting. I'm big on voting. <laughs> listen to this. Please go vote. <laughs> Register to vote. Thanks. Register to vote. Right get out vote. the vote. GOTV. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, at least I get, at least I, like, sometimes it doesn't work out. I don't know if you guys have noticed <laughs> this, this particular time not working out that well. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, at least I get a say with Mark Zuckerberg. I don't get a say. I can like take my business elsewhere, but not really. Really. No, you definitely can't. I mean, the whole point of this is that you really can't take your business elsewhere. Right. You can't. You kind of can, but you don't get to play. Where do you? Uh, what's the alternative to Facebook? Uh, there are other social media platforms. There's email. You can use email. 
Right. So, so okay, you can we'll, we'll email, we'll have an email. But like the, the thing is that I think an important point to make about these social platforms is that they only grow more powerful and it's like a feedback loop because they have all this data, they make the experience better, they have all this data, they make the experience better. And the problem is with these monopolies in the past, the way we've looked at it in the US is in terms of price, right? But the thing is like they're all free. So it, it it's optimized, right? Like it's fine, but th- no, the reality of the situation is that you can't really go elsewhere cuz yeah, I guess your friends are on email, but <laughs> for the most part, you know, like you don't have like the news feed product. Like there is not an alternative and Facebook is constantly getting better at what it's doing because it's leveraging all the data that it has. Yeah, of course. It's a, it is a feedback loop. I think one thing I, I do want to touch on before we end here is the free speech argument for censorship, um, which was made a couple years ago. Um, I mean, it's probably been made a lot of times, but I became aware of it a couple years ago when FARC.com uh, banned misogyny on its website. So FARC is a like historic antique link aggregator uh, from the early days that's still around and still quite good. Um, and they basically banned misogyny uh, in its comments section for free speech reasons. And that seems counterintuitive, but uh, it's an argument that's been made over and over again. And I think that there's a lot of weight to it in that uh, when you have a bunch of hateful opinions, it silences the people who need to be heard the most. That's the argument because the ACLU, uh, unlike the EFF, kind of did a big 180 this week as well, where they said they would no longer um, defend defend. The uh, free speech of people carrying weapons, correct? Right, yeah. right. It, because their argument would be by you showing up to a town to protest fully armed, you are intimidating other people not to express their opinions because you're basically implying that you can harm them. So, is that, is that you're looking at? Yeah, no, that, okay. that's that. Yeah. I mean, that is the argument, basically. And I think. I don't think that's a very controversial argument. I, th- I mean, I think like, right. you have people on Twitter who express their opinions, like women who express their opinions and suddenly get death threats. Like, that is not free speech. That is, you know, silencing. Well, I think even and- more so, like, look at, like, the example of, like, Milo, who was banned permanently from Twitter, not because, like, he sent one death threat, but because he organized a coordinated effort against you know, Leslie Jones, the, you know, an actress. And I think that that's an even, you know, more powerful example is like, yeah, not only like there are some women who express views online and get, you know, like one guy being mean to them or something or like, you know, which is bad enough, but these coordinated efforts to, in you know, to silence people. And that's what you see on these platforms is like, especially when women or when, you know, people express unpopular opinions, there's a pile on of these people inciting violence against them and effectively trying to silence them. And I think that's a good point. And then they're scared to talk again. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, this is something that Twitter has taken a lot of shit for, rightly so, over the years. It's just like how it handles uh, threats and trolls and, you know, pylons and brigading. Uh, did did Twitter say or do anything this week? I was just going to ask. They did, yeah. yeah. Do I feel like that their, their response was they uh, banned the account of the, the official Daily Stormer account, I believe a couple of like KKK accounts or definitely like neo-Nazi accounts. I don't think that the effort was particularly widespread, but they did do that. I don't know if that's like an adequate response from Twitter, but they I would consider them as part of the tech companies this week that did things twitter's just so happy that it's like not the main like target this week i I feel feel like they're just not in a position to like 
ban every racist on Twitter. Like, that's not... Yeah. They can't. I mean, same same with, like, Facebook hasn't really caught a whole lot of flack yet. Um, It's interesting that... Obviously, GoDaddy and Cloudflare are like million, multi-million dollar companies, but they're sort of the second tier of internet companies. They are not your Googles and Facebooks. And like, you know, Google is getting shit from the all right over James Damore, but like they're getting much less shit over banning the Daily Stormer from its domain registration. Like they did that in two seconds and then we're on to the next thing. And I think, you know, there has been this big conversation around GoDaddy, Cloudflare, uh, Discord, and, you know, a couple other people who actually have been willing to sort of reckon with the power that they have and have made choices. And I think, I don't know, I'm I'm okay with it so far. Like, uh, with who's being kicked off? And- yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. If they start kicking off, like, I don't think that, I think this just to go back to the, slippery slope argument i think you know at some point you realize okay we've gone too far and i think that that point will be very clear it's like case by case basis we are you know smart humans everyone and we can decide okay you're kicking off an activist who you know doesn't deserve to be kicked off like this is too far I think. Right. But then it's like having, you know, that, that kind of brings the, con- the conversation to like content moderation, how these companies like yes, you know, outsource. Yes, do content moderation. Yeah. Like, but, but, do- but how they outsource a lot of this content moderation to developing countries like India and how, you know, the, that they that maybe the nuance won't be there. And like, I don't know what the line will be like. I'm, I'm you know, just playing I mean, devil's but advocate. Then you, but- then, then you get into <laughs> arguments of like, you know, should anyone have to look at shitty things online? And the answer is no. But like it's just sort of it's, can, it's what it is right now. I don't think right an now, algorithm like, can be left to this right now. Like that's another. Yeah, thing. I mean, it's a it's like the biggest. It is the biggest problem that faces the internet. Like the like power that companies have and how they wield it is the biggest question on the internet to me. Yeah. That's the theme. It is the theme. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, it's just an extension of like real life and of public space and like if we as a society decide to pull down confederate monuments then we can do that and if we as a society decide to not give the daily stormer a place on the internet then that's our choice yeah like i don't see a problem with that at all but it's not our it's like it's these companies choices yeah yeah that's true yeah to pressure it's 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 not physically pulling down confederate monuments but it's like national pressure is at a point where it's like baltimore is at the middle of the night it's just like i'm just gonna yeah make these go away but, now yeah but it is something to be said that there was like you know a multi-part investigation about GoDaddy on the daily bees and they refused to do anything about it and like that to me is amounts to public pressure but then someone had to die so you know that that's to be said for like the power of that pressure it it, it has to reach a, a, a not okay boiling point i don't think that an investigative journalism piece is i mean sometimes it is enough but it's the response by the public to that piece and like you know it's a sad state of affairs, but for many, like obviously white supremacy is ingrained in the United States history and its culture. And it's like been a horrible force for centuries, but for, you know, millions of white people, white supremacy hasn't affected them in terms of like GoDaddy is hosting a white supremacist like website, like no one gives a shit, but then someone dies and it's like, okay, I see why this is bad. And then you get the public outcry that you didn't have six months ago when, you know, there wasn't a flashpoint. It's kind of, it's the same thing in terms of like uh, 
drunk boating laws or something like you can be like oh let's pass a drunk boating law at any time but then they don't actually get passed until like a six-year-old girl dies on a drunk boating law they pass it the next day it's sort of like which is unfortunate it is yes it's unfortunate it sucks and it but it's just like people got a lot to worry about (laughs) and i think this should be something that everyone should have been worrying worrying about a long time ago but uh at least we're reckoning with it now and i you know i don't think anything good has come out of uh charlottesville really but i think that it is at least an important discussion and hopefully it can we continue to have it rather than just like you know tweeting about steve bannon like steve bannon jokes for the next week like hopefully this there continues to be a public pressure and discussion and changes and blah 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 uh, before we leave, how do we do we feel like, you know, the Facebook and Google and, and some of these other big Internet gatekeepers should be more regulated by the government in terms of the content and their rules and how they do things? Because right now they, they really aren't. Yeah, I think so. I mean, what that regulation will look like is a really long discussion to be had. But I think that, yeah, I think that there is an antitrust case to be made here. And I think that it's worth having that discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think, yes, I agree, too. But, uh, you know, is Cloudflare a monopoly? Is Discord a monopoly? Is Reddit a monopoly? Like, at what point do these regulations start affecting companies? Like, how big do you have to be? How much control do you have to have? Uh, you know, there's so many different pieces of the pie to this. And I think it's going to be very complicated uh, for how it will work. And uh, I don't know, maybe we should just like, I'll, I'll do upvotes, downvotes or something. We can do Reddit style <laughs> voting process. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's very interesting times, I think. It's like, it's the culture wars. It feels like stuff that is inevitable is like finally happening. Yeah. About, about the internet. Right. Because, like, we had this, like, you know, like, the, everyone was crying censorship over Reddit, you know, two or three years ago. And that's, like, kind of what vote came out of. And now I feel like that's reached just a, a much higher temperature than I ever thought it could. Yeah. Okay. And that's our show. Uh, thanks for listening. You can find Radio Motherboard on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. This week's episode was recorded kind of shoddily by me, Jason Kebler, and was edited by Rob Schulte. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.
Are you ready for truly hydrated skin? Meet Hyaluronic Body Serum, a breakthrough in body care from Osea. It's clinically proven to instantly increase hydration by 161%. Their lightweight, fast-absorbing serum delivers 24 hours of non-stop hydration for silky smooth skin without the sticky afterfeel. Osea's latest innovation combines the magic of their best-selling Hyaluronic Sea Serum with a new formula that's good for the whole body and five types of hyaluronic acid to target every layer of the skin. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been crafting seaweed-powered products for nearly 30 years. The best part? Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com code SUMMER.